0: Hey, guys. So right before the episode, I just wanted to share a very special message, uh, which is um, really near and dear to April's heart as well. um, And that is to go register right now to vote. Do not sleep on it. Don't wait. Don't say that you'll do it later or you'll do it tomorrow. No, go vote. Um, Go register Uh, right now. It takes five minutes, not even. And it's very important. I mean, it's literally... way to change not only history and the future but even the now so i really encourage everybody i stand behind april's passion and mission to get this word out there and so i wanted to begin this episode by really reminding everybody that's listening in go vote all right guys stay tuned and i hope you love this episode hey guys welcome back to computer energy this is victor and today's guest is very special this is a um a special that i am now you know starting a new series as a lot of you know um we actually had a few guests already for the wisdom of women and it's published every wednesday and it's really about the the executives in our space you know um the women executives that are really um change makers and so today i have one of them with me so um Welcome to the show, April. Um, I have April Uchtel with me. She is the founder of the board. And I know a lot of you must have heard of the board if you're on LinkedIn or just, you know, in the beauty business. But yeah, welcome, April. I'm excited to be hosting you. Thank you. I'm super psyched to be here. Yeah, no, likewise, I'm super psyched to have you here. I, I can't wait to dive in because I know that you have such an amazing um career history. You've done so much, and I uh, would love to start there. If you could get us started with, you know, how everything really started off for you. I know you were you were with Violet Gray for a long time, and then you basically um, took the brand to new heights. So anywhere mm-hmm. you want to start. Sure. Um, you know, I'll go back even further.
1: I was actually in fashion for about 25 years, um, both in Los Angeles and then New York. Nine of those years were at Diane von Furstenberg, Um, kind of in the pre-early contemporary days where we were a big anchor and all the department stores. And quite frankly, you know, I kind of saw all the challenges in that industry and I realized I had to get out and get into digital. Um, So did one of those, you know, kind of my, my first pivot was around 2013. And I had taken a bit of a sabbatical to try and figure out what I wanted to do and was consulting. And I started mentoring in the CFDA incubator program to stay attached to the emerging brands and really um, was connected to a startup as a consulting client called Spring. And that was a tech company. So from fashion to tech, and we were building a marketplace really from scratch, um, early app days. It was with this assumption that given the department store challenges, we could build a platform, removing the middleman and letting brands go direct to consumer. So I was the chief brand officer, and that meant I helped kind of iterate on the product itself in terms of what brands would want. And then I ran all over Manhattan with an app on my phone that we were hoping we could build. And I onboarded over the course of almost three and a half years, about 1600 brands. And a lot of those really were beauty as well as fashion. And that's kind of how I got introduced to beauty. But what it really did is it afforded me um, kind of a bird's eye view into so many different companies of all stages. So from the very small brands, like I said, that were in the incubator program, um, brands like Barther Valleys, who are obviously you know much bigger now, Manzor Graviel, who were two girls working out of a closet at the time, you know all the way through all of the brands at Estee Lauder, you know on to Gucci, and so it was an amazing experience and and just really showed me how everything was so siloed and that brands weren't really talking to each other or supporting each other and and there was really no resource for that and so I funny enough wrote a business plan to build Angie's List meets Tinder. And ultimately, you know, how do I connect people to each other um, to solve problems? And when I got to Los Angeles, um, I, I ended up exiting uh, spring into about 2017. Moved to LA. My husband, Craig Frankly, was just done with Manhattan, and so we landed in Los Angeles. And um, I kind of accidentally became the CEO of Violet Gray. I had known Cassandra, and I was first talking to her about a project she was doing with Amazon, as I had just built a marketplace. For spring, and then you know she basically said she she'd rather hand me the keys, and so I wow. kind of inherited Violet Gray at a, at a stage where it was, you know, in, in a bit of a um, a mess because husband had passed away, and so she had to obviously take time out for that, and there had been a lot of turnover, and so I spent about three years really kind of restructuring team and um, you know a lot of in, internal operations to be honest, from warehouse to offices, but also culture. And we ended up, you know, kind of three xing the business in that time frame, and then the pandemic hit, um, and then it was kind of time for yet another pivot. So, fashion to tech to beauty, and now I have the board, which I've co-founded about a year and a half ago um, with Anita Gatto, who came from experiential retail. Really, just in this space, you know, as we've all seen through the pandemic of, of kind of the big reckoning and what do we want to do? How do we want to do it? And this real sense of community that we were all really seeking and, you know, the choices we want to make now around quality and quantity, you know, versus quantity and then quality. And so um, we're really a marketplace of people for lack of a better analogy, which kind of is a reference to the the world I tried to build at spring. And then, you know, equally the code by the gray was our Key value proper, we tested and vetted. So, everything the customer was being presented had been approved by the Violet Gray team. So, in that same respect, the the members of the board are all coming through a network that's vetted, um, really about trusted talent and and just awesome humans. And now we work with companies on a project basis. We can build really incredible mini dream teams from our roster. We can match up directly, but more importantly, the community can support each other um, in terms of sharing resources, sharing. Um, real-time
0: learnings and obviously opportunities. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the networking component because I feel like that is, you know such a it, it's like irreplaceable. You know, if you have a good network, if you have met and worked with people who are just really great at what they do, then that is the biggest you know, takeaway any entrepreneur or executive can have. and i and I love that you you've kind of built upon that, you know, year after year. i I wanted to ask you, though, you know, in terms of like, what you do with the board, you know, so how do you, how do you figure out like, who's a good fit for what, you know, what client, like, how does that whole process work for you? guys? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's funny enough. It's kind of one of my superpowers, (laughs) you know, one of the things that we really look to for our our members is, you know, you generally, when you get to the top of an org chart, you're, you're very much a generalist, you know, you can do a lot of things. It ends up really being kind of an HR job, to be honest, and you're managing a lot of people and you kind of get further and further away from the stuff you really love to do. So when people move into consulting, they generally kind of go back to, you know, the areas they're most passionate about. And so we really lean into those uh, at the board in terms of the way we think about our roster's area of expertise. And it's really self-directed on their part, but it allows us when someone approaches us and says, I need help with X, you know, we can really get to those people that that is really what they love to do. Because to me, it's 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 really about being nimble and executing and helping companies at all stages, whether they're young um, young founders, you know, just newly funded startups all the way through to to big corporate companies like uh, Farfetch, who we worked with, Westfield, Postmates, where, you know, brands are coming to us and there's a bit of vulnerability when you're asking for help. And so we really want to meet everybody where they are, unlike traditional corporate structure and culture where, you know, people tend to armor up and and, you know, kind of let their titles lead. And we've all just kind of tired of that very patriarchal model. And I think what we're trying yeah. to do is really lean in with more vulnerability and, and real human connection, which quite frankly, the pandemic kind of you know exposed once we've all been working remote in our dining rooms and pajamas. And so right. most people who did leave corporate life just really don't want to go back into a traditional, um, sometimes somewhat toxic culture. And so when they're working on projects, they really do bring their A game because they're really excited to build and to get back into those places where they can have real impact, um, you know, like I said, nimble in execution, because we all have run businesses, and we understand budgets and roadmaps and timelines. And so we know it's about moving fast. And it's not about, you know, more traditional agency of, you know, long term retainers, and, you know, a, a kind of same team working on your projects. And so the way we go to curate, both on, you know, who's a member of the board is, is a lot of our network effect, you know, how we work with them, has someone on the board worked with them? You know, do we have a sense of, of, where they're headed and, and quite frankly, are they seeing the world in a bigger way? And all of us now have passion projects because we realize that things are are pretty dark and scary out there. And we have to think beyond just what kind of business we're doing for an income, but really what kind of legacy and impact are we having on the planet or society at large. And I think that's so important. And I, I think you hit that later in life. Yeah. You know, struggle is really personal for a while. And then you realize your mortality and then you realize that, you know, there's, there's bigger things. And so we really champion and empower members' passion projects and we support each other on those as well. And so it just goes to an overall well-rounded human. So when we are attaching them to a project, there's a real connection that can be made. And like I said, when founders come and they're like, I need help, um, we know, you know, we're, there's a lot of trust that has to be put into that connection and that matchup. Right. um and you know i our case studies are amazing our testimonials of of just the experience of working with us has has been really so rewarding because we're all kind of coming from this real place of wanting to to like i said bring our a game do our best to help move businesses you know through through areas or challenges or pivots or even you know just go to market strategies that can be accelerated just because they're reaching a certain level of expertise that quite frankly, is is kind of hard to find. So we really right. set up to kind of be this destination, um, which really helps the, the members, you know, from a deal flow perspective, but also building that community where they can workshop things, you know, internally, they can ask for help member to member. You know, once you leave a corporate structure, you lose a lot of your resources. So when you go independent, the scary side is, you know, a hustle for the next project and, and kind of feeling like you're isolated or on your own. So we're trying to solve for for both sides of the equation.
0: I love that, you know, because I recently spoke to someone in the venture capital world, and um, they're amazing, you know, they're an amazing person, but they, we talked about a lot of different things. And one of the topics that came up was this um, idea that brands usually that apply for funding, you know, which we all know is extremely important for a brand's growth, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have to, they really have to meet a mark. And to get there, I, you know, one of my biggest questions for the, for the guest was, well, how do you get to a point where a brand has about a few million dollars in sales to show? And then they're getting your help. You know what I mean? As compared to like smaller brands who are doing everything on their own. They don't know who to hire, who to go to, to expand their growth, you know, to give them good constructive feedback. And then also lend a helping hand, you know, where is that component coming in? Because if you're a startup and you want to hit that point, which you know, you can, if you've got a great product, you know, you're going to make millions. If you just, you know, had the right team or had the right person or the, the right lead, you know, and it's like that, that conversation came up and, from the venture capital side, you know, um the guest was like well i I wish I had a better answer, but unfortunately, the way that firms work now is that we have to have you know this certain amount of sales already there for you know you to show us before we can even invest and so the the problem I'm seeing, you know from just having interviewed so many brands is that I keep seeing amazing products, amazing people, um, you know, that are creating things that are really filling a white space. But then on the other hand, I'll go on social media and I'll see this conversation going on about how women of color are not getting funding or, you know, people of color in general, or they're underrepresented in the venture world or in the funding or investing world. And you know, it just makes me wonder is like, where's the real problem? And I think the real problem is what you guys are solving here, which is getting the right team on board. Yeah. You know? Well, and I th- you yeah. know,
1: so many times people think they need a CEO, or I think I need a, you know, and they just really don't at those early stages. And equally, they, they think if they throw a bunch of money at one person, they're going to come and wear 50 hats and be the silver bullet. And that doesn't work either. Um, even the yeah. challenge, quite frankly, is the whole chicken and egg, you know, and, and at spring we were um, four of us in a WeWork and we eventually, you know, raised like $157 million and we were this huge crew and, you know, but we moved too fast and we raised too much. And the founders, you know, in my opinion, really lost sight of the the integrity of what we we're building and started chasing, you know, the revenue because you get so much pressure from the investors. So it's almost like a damned if you do damned if you don't, you know, and, and I think it's really in all the investors I talk to, you know, most of them say, if you can, if you can avoid raising, do (laughs) because you lose so much of your equity and your um, ownership but also you know you have someone else kind of helping you directing your business vision um, which from an investment perspective maybe may not be what's best for the business and the founder so most of these younger brands you know they initially start to seek out you know friends and family angel high net worth individuals family offices that don't have the same kind of you know expectations in terms of you know roi some of the venture back companies and um, yet at some stages you just really need capital to accelerate and you know you're getting orders and you can't fill the inventory and you know it's it's really it's just a constant challenge and we have a lot of companies coming to us saying you know i really would like to work with the board but can you first help us raise three million dollars and you know that's not our core competency at all although we do have spv um, people that run spvs on the board people that are partners in investment um, agencies that we can share decks and opportunities with, but it, it's not something that you know we're working on as a as a core pipeline. But we see clearly, you know, that there's the money is very much dried up. You know, we're talking to so many people that, you know, valuations have changed dramatically. There's no longer throwing money at companies like they used to, and they really do need to see a path to profitability. Whereas before, they just needed to see, you know, multiples of revenue and you know whatever that marketing, you know, return is. And now that that pay marketing funnel has changed dramatically with the um, ios updates brands are really trying to figure out how do they accelerate growth to the extent that the investors want to see and i feel i feel i really feel for founders um you know i'm basically a founder of the board and we're not looking to raise money and we really want to build this as a community so I'm, i'm completely in that mindset of you know how do you do it organically but yet with um you know, a sense of velocity Yeah, and and who do you go to, to support where you can. And in some cases, you know, there are members of the board that will work with smaller companies for a much smaller retainer or percentage um, retainer plus equity um, because, you know, they, they, they have time and they really love to help build. Um, So we are able to make some of those connections, which is great. We have some members who are doing pro bono work just because they really believe in the brand and the founder and where they think it's going to go down the road. So, we can be that resource. Um, yeah. but primarily, you know you you have to figure out how to make those investments. it's It's hard to ask a lot of people to work for a lot less than they're worth. Um, but what I love about our model in the dream team scenario where we can attach a handful of people, you know you could get three to four people for basically the price of one because everyone kind of takes their piece and they're experts at it so they can move fast and invest, you know kind of fewer hours for
0: bigger reward. Um, and it's a way to kind of make the numbers work. I, I like that. I like what you said about, you know, it's really about raising a community and and this uh, networking kind of, you know, the idea of it being more about the community aspect. And it kind of like, you know, it takes a village, right, to do anything. Yeah. It, it does. And I think that that's something that, I mean, you really don't see a lot of, I mean, I think in any industry, but especially now when there's brands popping up every day, um people are you know they think that they've got the next big thing they think that this is going to be the the game changer you know in this industry or whatever industry and and then you know even if they have the money what i notice is that i don't think i can pinpoint anymore what organic growth means (laughs) to be honest you know what I mean like I really struggle with that word because Mm -hmm. there's people um you know even PR companies will reach out to me and they're like well we're looking for organic features and I'm like what the hell is organic nowadays (laughs) you know like what do you need a freaking like thing of lettuce like what I don't (laughs) get it you know I don't get it because there's no such thing anymore I mean correct me if I'm wrong I know know, everything has a buy button or a um yeah
1: Think about what happened on Instagram, and obviously, you know where people are throwing their marketing dollars. And the minute that formula stops, sometimes it takes a bit to catch up, and you realize that you've thrown a bunch of money away for the last few months. That you know you're just not going to get back. And, and I think you know everyone speaks to the diversification, right? And you're seeing so many more brands go into physical right now because digital has has been much much harder to see those same returns. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people doing experiential, doing pop-ups, opening more stores you know, doing kind of partnerships, really, how do they do more collaborations? Obviously, influencers are still strong, but shifting. Um, and so what, you know, what I love about our model too is that we have experts in all these areas, right? So we have paid marketing experts. We have TikTok experts. We have Gen Z experts. We have um, people that this is, this is really what they go in with their superpower into their own client work or work that comes through the board. And so they're able to share their learnings across our community so that members of the community kind of have that, cheat sheet of, you know, this is, this is what's trending over here. These are the top ingredients in beauty product development. You know, these are um, how parents are thinking about experiential because we're able to leverage those resources as opposed to wait until there's an article, you know, in business of fashion or WWD, it's real time learnings. And so we're, we're working on ways to really capture that kind of inside baseball, you know, insider knowledge, because you're seeing it across multiple clients and projects. And so, you know, they're right. really not Trends, as much as they are, like the reality of what's what's happening, what's working, what's not working, and it just changes so fast. So, you know, your strategy just has to be fluid. Um, where you used to be able to really, you know, build a five-year plan and put in specific, you know, percentage and returns and conversion metrics, and you know, have a pretty clear sense of direction. And I think that's where companies are realizing, you know, that there's multiple levers that you have to pull along the way, and you know, we're seeing really people leaning much more into loyalty and retention than they are on customer acquisition. Cause it's just gotten so expensive. And so now they're thinking, okay, I have these people here. How do I engage with them more? How do I get them to shop one more time? Um, and so, you know, those trends that we see, then we think about like, how do we support, you know, our clients and and all the members and what are the tools out there? What is working? You know, what are the platforms oh, yeah. that are up, you know open? Um, so we spend a lot of time talking to, you know, retailers and tech founders and, um brands and just also what they're seeing and feeling as as well as the members. It just happens organically through the community model, um, which is where I think where it's going. You know, I think that more and more people are open, you know, to sharing, collaborating. I think you're either kind of a biz dev minded person who you're just like a connector and, you know, I got you and I know exactly you should talk to, or you kind of hold all your cards close because you feel like you work so hard for those relationships and I think those people that generally I would say took more than they gave are
0: realizing that that just doesn't work, you know? yeah, yeah, it can't work I mean it can't yeah. you you get what you you know you get what mm-hmm. you give that's I really believe in that, and also you know one interesting thing that popped up when you were um explaining that um April was that I think that social media, and this is just my personal theory, I think social media was an attempt for consumers and also brands to create a community right I mean I think it was like a really big attempt to try and create those that like the type of communities we're talking about where it's you know quote organic growth or a you know a uh, a base of customers base consumers that will go buy your product over and over and over again but I think what it really turned into is just another form of clickbait over time because you know once again going back to your point like you know it's about forming real meaningful relationships and i'm you just can't do that from a seven second video
1: you know or and you
0: never know like if those followers were
1: bought and when you really look at engagement metrics on some of these big accounts and you're like oh my own like you know you you realize that you're not
0: it's not really above board in many ways that you would think and no, that's the, that's to... the problem. That's the problem. Exactly. They, there's too much. There's too much fluff. There's too much gray space now in this oh. entire business. You know, I guess. Yeah, the and even area. hashtag ad. You know, it
1: doesn't really. I don't know. It's it's funny because I look. I have a 16, soon to be 17 year old daughter, and you know, she is obviously discovering as my son is everything on TikTok, and whether it's beauty um, brands, fashion brands. You know recipes. You know, you name it. She's. You know, the they're getting so much of their information, and quite frankly, their news, which is terrifying. Yeah, um, but <laughs> it's it is it's just wild to watch. You know how the influ- where where the influence is coming from, and how it's shifting, and and what those algorithms are pushing to the front, and it's so scary and dangerous, and it's really hard not to get caught up in it because you know you're trying to you're trying to drive brand awareness, you're trying to connect, and you know that's those are the you know, mechanisms out there, and Uh, I think, you know, I work with a lot of brands who, you know, they're like, oh, now I need a TikTok strategy. Oh, do now, you know, it's just (laughs) exhausting. At the same time, you have people that are, you know, built huge profitable companies, you know, in in that space. And um, there's some of those fast fashion brands that it really were born and are doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars just because of TikTok and UGC. And um, now they're trying to figure out, like, we don't even really know what our brand narrative is. Like, who are we, you know, and they're going backwards into creating a brand Because, you know, the consumer drove so much of their look and feel and um, it's so it's so interesting to watch from the outside and then you have big heritage brands that are trying to figure out, do we participate in web three, you know, and it's it's just like there's there's so many there's so much noise and I think cutting through the noise has become exhausting and um, really being true to your product and your vision but to your point there's so many brands out there that have incredible product, really smart founders and you know the cards are just so stacked. Yeah. Um, in terms of if they can't get funded and, you know, their dream dies, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And so we're, you know, we're trying to do what we can. And at the same time, you know, we do work with bigger companies and sometimes we're able to broker partnerships where we can bring in some emerging players. We did a, we, we produced the pop-up for, um, Hello Sunshine Reese Witherspoon's book club last Christmas. And we brought in about 15 different brands to that pop-up. And we were able to bring in some emerging beauty brands that really got a lot of visibility, it's all consignment, you know, but it's a, it's a way to get in front of a customer because we know there's guaranteed traffic and we know there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of football, but also a lot of amazing contextual commerce, right? Like who your adjacencies are. right? You're kind of put into this situation where you're on the same, you know, same level. And so we, we look for opportunities again, based on the product, the products and the founders and the brands we love that we're discovering. And so Hoping, you know, the network effect of that um, is just exponential, and you know, really, like I said, we're building kind of this this destination. We we joke that we're the black amex of LinkedIn. (laughs) You know, it's a little like if you know, you know, and you know, um, which is which is I think there's a lot more credibility than you know going out and you know doing advertising on ourselves all day long. And, And quite frankly, the quality of the people and the quality of the companies and the founders is is really where the magic is. Um, and yeah. so we've been really lucky that we've had just incredible, you know, inbounds and and people looking for, for support. Cause there's, there's no shor- shortage of problems, you know, and there's, there's really this incredible pool of talent that can, that can help. And so we're really building the, that connective thread um, to kind of, like I said, solve for both sides where a lot of companies, whether they're, like we said, small teams that are highly under-resourced to bigger companies who are dealing with retention issues and, um, you know, really aggressive roadmaps. And we kind of can play this SWAT team role to kind of pulse in one person, two with Farfetch, there was 10 of us and we're really seasoned. So we don't need crazy onboarding. We can jump in and we also understand culture can be impacted by when the, you know, quote unquote experts come in and, and we've lived through those experiences. So we're, we're super hypersensitive to just the collaboration impact and really wanting it to be, you know, alongside and not, you know, going off to a corner and developing a deck and handing it back and saying, good luck, you know, what yeah. I mean? like, help anybody.
0: No, that's not helpful at all. Yeah. It, I mean, I think it's very, it's, it, these are the services that I think are very, very much needed these days. I mean, even, you know, I know nothing about you know putting together a team to really make your brand succeed you know that's but i get emails from people that have like you know listen to me interview a brand or whatever and they'll be like well where do i start I don't know mm-hmm. who to connect with. I need guidance. I need, you know, a mentor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, honestly, there's very few resources out there right now. You know, you could yeah. find somebody on LinkedIn. You could just kind of blind sight this and just, you know, uh, go on there and just hope, you know, that you can yeah. message somebody. But there's really nowhere, nowhere, you know, other than, you know, what you're describing with what you guys are doing at the board where I've seen, you know, people get that real time guidance and I think you know a lot of times going back to the social media thing you know brands think that okay finally my social media is growing so this must reflect in my sales this must reflect in you know how much interest retailers have in me or whatever but it's like when that fails it's I think it it makes people realize that you know social media is not it's not churning out the results that people need in terms of actual brand growth. It's just a, you know what I mean? It's just another metric that's used to kind of pull the, you know, the wool over someone else's eyes, you know, whether that's an investor or not. And I think that we have to really come out of that culture. You know, we have to come back to the culture of, you know um, I, I I'll give you an example. Someone used this example the other day where Revlon, you know, with Revlon, we were all brainwashed to love Revlon. Right and it was like brainwashed in the sense of we saw it on uh you know the tv all the time because that's what we were doing you know those of us who grew up watching tv every day after school you always saw a revlon commercial you always saw you know uh one of the big supermodels and it was kind of like ingrained in your head and then you would go to the store and you would see the products and it was this whole process as a consumer you know of getting right. connected to a brand and that connection was it, it kind of spanned so many different um layers and so many different categories that that's really i think what made you gravitate towards revlon you know when you wanted a new product or you know anything any brand like that you know I, I keep talking about revlon but um any yeah. brand like that like l'oreal or something and i yeah. don't well they have millions that. and
1: millions of dollars to spend on marketing you yeah know? And, and well honestly well, you know yeah. there was less less competition in the space right when you think about when glossier hit you know and there's all these d2c brands came up and the, all those kind of you know legacy brands estee lauder portfolios l'oreal's um, the Maybellines, you know, they're, they are, they are always still struggling to, you know, struggling for relevance and maintenance and reinvention and then diversity. Like how do they participate in those conversations? And, you know, the customer, the customer has a lot of power, obviously with their dollar. And yet I still think, you know, advertising is advertising. Right. And yeah. I watch what my daughter gets drawn into and it's really, you know, looking at those ideals of the girls and how they look and, you know. It goes back to like, for me, like when Kate Moss was on the cover of everything and everyone's like, you know, there was that waif moment and heroin chic. And then you had, you know, <laughs> a million other things you're like, ah, now I have to do that. Um, And I do think there's so much more empowerment with social because you see people can really decide like, okay, I, I'm kind of finding my people or, you know, my daughter will show me sites and and women that are girls that are just owning you know body positivity or whether you know it's it's anything in the activism space and there's there's also a lot of great opportunities to really inspire and empower and i think brands are more and more leaning into okay we don't all need to pay kim kardashian you know and a, and a you know one of the jenner family to post um but who are these people that are really inspiring you know um estee lauder just started working with amanda um I'm totally blanking on her last name, the, you know, the poet laureate. And I think it's amazing. You know, it's, it's like really showing someone who's living a big impact on the world in terms of their, their own self and how they're driven and their own motivations and, you know, bringing that into the beauty conversation and you're seeing more and more of that, which is great. Um, And I think, you know, the pendulum just keeps swinging. And so what we're seeing In the beauty industry, and and obviously there's so much in terms of diversity and LGBT that has always been there and fighting for those rights now that's happening where, you know, things that are kind of being destroyed slowly in our, in our political system, you know, brands really need to also have a voice there. And I feel like the consumers really respect brands that do. And if they're not on the same page, you know, they'll go shop something else. But I feel like, look, gone are the days that a brand can just kind of sit silently in the middle. I have all these, you know, really huge um, political conversations, whether it is about, you know, sustainability, um, you know, how are they thinking about packaging? How are they thinking about replenishment? You know, what are they doing that's going to, you know, leave the world better than they found it? And I'm still shocked when a brand launches with none of those considerations. I feel like they're they're so tone deaf, um, you know, or it's just a super opportunistic play. And you'll see it sometimes, you know, in the celebrity world where everyone's got a brand now. Um, and then you talk to these amazing dermatologists or naturopaths, and these people that have just been years and years and years working in this space. Um, and yet they're having a harder time getting visibility, you know, than someone with 4 million followers who
0: throws their name on a white labeled product line. Yeah, no, I actually wrote an article about this just, you know, last week I was like, you know, this is ridiculous, like you can't profit off someone else's work and a lot of times those brands have uh, really amazing scientists behind them that never get noticed, they never get credit, they never get noticed. I mean, you know, not to be cliche, but to bring up, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's line, it's $325 for one product, but the guy behind it is a PhD. You know, yeah. this guy came up with a molecule and it, actually there's really nothing to that line, just FYI, but, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> regardless, regardless, I mean, you know, there's a scientist behind it. And I think mm-hmm. um, one of my big things now, and going back to what you were saying is that this rise of the intellectual consumer, it's kind of coming back and it's, it or, you know, I don't know if it was, it ever left, but it definitely got oppressed for a while. I'm not going to lie. You know, there weren't that many intellectually stimulating mm-hmm. conversations taking place about the, things like beauty and um you know people were kind of just clickbait you know zombies for a while but i think now we're finally seeing that there is this desire and this uh hunger for these conversations and and that's why you know for example like even with my platform I've noticed you know pod, the podcast world is booming right now because yes. people are actually tuning in they don't care about the visuals they care about the storytelling you know getting to know a founder getting to know an amazing human being they've heard about you know and understanding them and and sharing those stories and I think really that comes back to what you had said initially about this feeling of you know being more connected after COVID I think we've definitely seen that across the board you know no no pun intended <laughs> but you know we I mean, seen it all the time <laughs> yeah you know we've definitely seen it and I think it it shows in things like this where people are gravitating towards audio versus video or yeah. you know whatever reading again <laughs> thank goodness
1: well and you know if you think about just the damage that social media has done to to so many kids and especially girls and Um, it's it's really kind of terrifying how this is a drug that we've just handed our kids to use without any real supervision. And I'm equally guilty of that. And yet at the same time, there's so much amazing stuff coming out of what you're discovering, you know, whether it's a podcast or a live stream or um even a TikTok. But it's it's there's just so much. And I just don't think our brains were built to try and absorb all that's out there and coming at us so quickly every day. And I think people whether they're going back to books or they're thinking, like, uh, there's a few podcasts that, you know, I just like, I just want to escape into, you know what I mean? And right. I can go for a hike and I can listen and I can, you know, hear a story, ha- have a new perspective, share, learn something, educate myself in a way that, you know, in the multitasking world we live in, I'm driving, I'm hiking, I'm doing, I'm usually doing something else, but it, it helps me get out of my head on, I know, the life the the to-do list that we all have nonstop running in our brains as well yeah
0: Um, yeah but yeah
1: you know it's just it's about again how do you discover those people and how do you know who to connect with and who do you trust and you know what we're really building at the board is that trusted pipeline um because we've also spent years trial and error you know learning like who's legit who's bullshit (laughs) who's, (laughs) <laughs> who's, <Yeah. laughs> who's, you know, who's like all talk, no action, who, you know, and, and you, you just see it. And I think our bullshit meter is just getting, you know, more and more heightened, um, as scary as it's also, you know, you're seeing so much fake news and trying to understand, you know, these very salacious taglines and, um, get underneath what's really happening. And I, my, I, my side hustle for the last five years, basically is I'm a voter and about 28 of us, when, um President Trump was elected, decided like okay we we can't stand by and watch you know, and we decided if we can sell lipstick, we can sell voting, so if we make it cool, people may do it, and we've yeah. really leveraged all of our relationships and brand partnerships, and we partnered with the c a a with c a a and disney, and we've worked with n f l and n b a um all the way through to many, many brands and it's just been incredible to again see this community coming together to leverage their platform. Haley Bieber just shot our p s a that ran is running in front of um, every movie in the AMC theaters up until the midterms. And you know, when you realize the power of, of community, where yeah. it's literally just grassroots, um, I think is when you kind of feel less, less hope, less hopeless that you know your voice doesn't matter and your dollar matters, your voice matters, you know, the the community that you're building around you really matters. And again, yeah. you know, weirdly thanking COVID. For for kind of blowing stuff up so that we could we could rebuild, um, and I think you know, any anywhere you can get that information and find your people per se, <laughs> yeah.
0: is is critical. No, I agree. I love what you're doing. And I and I really commend you for that. That's it's such a mm-hmm. wonderful cause. And the fact that you've rallied um, such influential people behind it is absolutely, you know, it, it's wonderful. It's truly wonderful. And I oh, think that we, we could really take a page from your book, you know, in terms of figuring out what is it that matters and just, you know, coming back to that original point you had made of, you know, we're not here forever, you guys, you know, it's, you can't take anything with you no nope. you know, so no matter how much money you accumulate how many material goods you get you, you can't take it with you you know you so might that. as well do something meaningful while you're here you know so I was um weirdly talked to a death doula not
1: too long ago and he you know has helped hundreds and hundreds of people leave this planet and you know it's obvious but he's like no one ever said I wish I had made more money I wish I had a bigger house I wish I you know it was more just like I wish I spent more time with the people that I loved it was like the number one thing and yeah. I, I feel like you know, COVID really did have us dig deep into what really matters, and you saw people make some some really critical life choices. And for the board members, a lot of them left corporate life because they're like, "I just can't do this anymore. It's not feeding my soul. I'm not enjoying this." Um, yet, you know, when you like I said, you go alone, it gets a little bit more. You know, the security is gone, right? And so you have to be able to take that risk, and then how do you empower yourself? And same thing, if you're a founder and starting a business, it's, it's completely daunting. You know, the odds are not in your favor, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But ultimately, you know, you're just driven by your passion and and really that's so much of the human spirit and reconnecting with what that is and and kind of taking your head out of the noisy, messy um, environment of, of advertising and social media and FOMO, 24 seven and yeah. you know, really just kind of getting back to yourself. And that to me is, is something that takes effort. You know, we kind of have to unplug and we have to give ourselves time to do that self exploration. And if you can do that and, you know, balance it with, with the side hustles and all the other stuff, I think that's the game we're all playing now. You know, it's no longer 25 years with the company, right? Like those yeah. days. It's Oops, about gone. Yeah. just reinvention, you know, and if you can do think about that positively, as opposed to like daunting, um, my generation was, you know, we were kind of told we, you know, we saw the 20 year gold watch world, right. You know, and, yeah. and retirement and I can think, of, I don't know anyone who's retired, you know, I have a lot of friends in their sixties, seventies, even eighties, and there's, there's no retire, you know, it's like, you do what you love, you continue to chase and learn and, um, you know expand your horizons if you're curious and you you really are seeing the world as it is and where you can solve help solve some problems or help bring joy to others i feel like that's that's such a part of the second act you know i think most yeah. people that have hit 50 start to realize like, oh, wow, (laughs) you know, this is not, I get it. There's, I gotta, I gotta start to think about legacy and think about contribution and think about what's really important. Um, And I think that's happening in younger generations where they're realizing that the dream is, is not achievable, you know, in the way it was sold to us all. And that's a whole other podcast story, but um, you know, being where you are and thinking about, you know, what really nurtures you and whether you're, it's a, it's a side hustle passion, a volunteer, it's, you know, the industry that you really want to understand, navigate, conquer, Um, you know, having, raising children in this world and raising, you know, people in a very daunting environment of what's happening. It can, it can be really overwhelming. And so, you know, what I love about the beauty industry and the sense of self-care and um, really trying to tap in and, and whether it's, breath work and meditation and all the stuff in the wellness industry that it is really legit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's, it's maybe not as prioritized in terms of, of how you can reset yourself in these stressful environments that we're also all just kind of forced to navigate on a daily
0: basis which then kind of takes me back to community. So it's yeah, all- no, <laughs> I mean, it's all tied together and you know, it's, yeah. it's so funny because you, you literally read my mind. I was like, you know, she's everything you're explaining. I'm like, it really is about meditation, man. Just go back to med- just meditate every day. I really don't think people understand the power of that. I, I don't think and people understand. Like just a yeah. breathing. You know, I'm, I'm working with someone now who,
1: you know, when you really understand your, your, you know, your nervous system and just, where it can take your whole mind, body, you know, health. It's, it's really, it seems so basic and yet it's something that we all just don't have time for, or don't make time for. And I'm completely a victim in that too. Um, And, you know, finding wherever your, if your meditation is yoga or your meditation is a walk or a hike or walking the dog or whatever that is. Right.
0: Um,
1: But being able to kind of have moments throughout your day to reset and to appreciate and to find gratitude in everything and what i love to see on social media is now you have more and more people talking about aging and now obviously there's this huge menopause um for you know focus of all of these brands and conversations and you know taboo subjects that you know every couple of years we break through another one which is amazing and and you know realizing that it's we're siloed
0: in so many ways and there's so much shame and it's that's a whole other thing um, yeah, and also taboo in 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 whose mind? You know, I I grew yeah. up in a in a culture in a in a home where meditation was a daily ritual, yoga was a del- daily ritual. My mother never pushed you know religion on me. I was very lucky in that sense in that regard. And I never I remember even growing up when I was a teenager, I never looked at menopause or you know having a period or these things that we talk about now. You know, the beauty industry is definitely coming out like you know about. I never saw that as taboo, but I think it really depends on how you were raised, depends on who you were around. You know what I mean? So like reprogramming your mind and reprogramming and recentering yourself. And I mean, I'm sorry to say it. I mean, everything has a protocol in life, you know, when it, when it comes to your human body, to your mind and your mind's protocol is to reset itself. And the best way to do that is, you know, self-awareness, meditation, whatever you want to call it. You know, I see so many new age people coming up and I'm sitting here like all of these things have been around for centuries you know you yeah. don't need a new uh person on social media a new guru you know yeah. self-proclaimed guru to tell you how to meditate yeah. you know and it's just it's just so it, it's very very ironic you know to say yeah. the least like to see people kind of gravitate towards something that we've known for centuries at this point yeah. so I know. yeah I know. but okay. no april this has been so lovely chatting with you and i could really actually do a whole series with just chatting with you so <laughs> this is this is lovely and i love everything that you you are you and the board are doing I mean I'm I can't tell you how you know big of a service that is you know even to the people like I've I told you you know I get emails all the time and I have no idea about this area you know and right so right. I can't I can't imagine how many brands reach out to you guys but um you know keep doing what you're doing because that's oh, I appreciate it so much yeah. I really do um I I was
1: lovely to chat with you as well thank you for giving me the the platform and of course yeah you know, anytime hosting the conversation and you know, keep on doing what you're doing as well. You know, wearing many hats, as yes. we all are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we gotta keep on going. You know, it's it's like a it, a new hat pops up every day. I feel like you yeah. know, especially for women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. true. A lot to juggle. Um, but that's why we're the stronger sex, right?
1: Because we yeah, can do it. Well,
0: you know, it's that extra <laughs> chromosome. I keep saying, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, the why? No. Nope. You got to have two X's, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the superpower, but no, April, this has been lovely. And for everyone listening, um, you know, if you have any comments, questions, you know, you want to add to the conversation, I really welcome you to do that. Um, send us a message, leave a comment on the concept art, but I'm going to be tagging everything for the board um, in the concept art for this episode. And if you will have any questions for April's team, definitely reach out and I will pass them along. Amazing. Um, but, but I really, really appreciate you know everyone who's tuning in. And if you get a minute, please go onto Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, a written rating, because that really helps us climb the charts. So I would really appreciate that. Thank and you. Make sure so you're much. registered and make sure you vote. Yes, make sure you vote <laughs> and register to vote. Yes, do that now. Actually, if you're do tuning it now. in, <laughs> early voting starts October twenty eighth. Awesome, perfect. Thank See? you. Thank you. Thank you, April. Bye.